Jeff and Paige, welcome to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. We're so happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk to each of you. I think I love the creative energy that you put out into the world and I love the emphasis that you take in. So I'm excited to have you both on the podcast. And you know, we always like to get this show started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing. So I'll let one of you take it from there and then maybe the other, or you guys have a combined story. Happy to hear it all. Whew. Uh, we've, we've told this story a lot recently. Yeah. And I have some like different entry points that I like to use. Do you mm -hmm. want to be the starter or should I? I'll be the starter. Um, okay. We're Jeff and Paige. Here we are now in Boulder, Colorado. We are a husband, wife, children's musical duo. We focus on science, nature, and sustainability through live music and theater. Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start in graduate school. Oh, that's what right. I was going to start. Okay. Paige and I met in graduate school and don't think of graduate school as a building because our graduate school was a biodiesel school bus. And it was the natural world. Yes. We're standing under stars, beneath redwoods, we're singing, we're learning about salmon populations by visiting dams. Mm -hmm. We are camping outdoors. Our bus has been converted into like a roving combination living space and library with camping gear and cook stoves. Um, and that was a two year program on the road where um, we kind of, you know, fell in love with the natural world, fell in love with each other. Um, although that came a little bit later. It came a little later. We were friends then. We yeah. were just friends. And, um, and then we moved to Boulder, Colorado. Not at the same time. Though. Yeah, not at the same time. I have to go back to the natural world and oh. the and the graduate school because this was the part of the story that I started to tell a little more recently. Okay. Um, what we what we learned there in graduate school was we wanted to we were going to school for environmental education, master of science degrees, by the way. Um, we wanted to figure out how to take the joy that we are experiencing by being in nature and and then and translate that into teaching. So not just talking about all of the problems, but marrying some of the issues that we face as a human culture with the joy of being in nature and recognizing for me, and this was the part that I told recently that I realized I hadn't like really revisited. I was really, really depressed. I was ups upset as I well. I was like yeah. so, so depressed. And I remember coming back from a break actually and seeing you it's going to make me cry almost, but Jeff walked up to me and he's just, you know, my friend. And he just said, wow, Dodie, you're really carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, aren't you? And I just broke down. And it was, it was a foundational moment in our friendship. And for me in realizing that there's no way I could go out from this program and teach children or high schoolers, which at the time I was planning to teach and did for a while that like, here's all these problems. Good luck. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Should we pause a second? I mean, we could just go for an no, hour and you could call it good. <laughs> uh, no, I want more. No, please. Yeah, continue. So. <laughs> All right. Well, then, so in graduate school, we ended up both moving to Boulder for various reasons. Um, and I was working for the Open Space and Mountain Parks Department, um, our great friend and kind of benefactor, if you will, Steve Mertz. Um, he is with the City of Boulder's Open Space and Mountain Parks. He let us lead programs for the general public. And we're, you know, I 
was 25 years old and was all full of fire coming out of this graduate program. I was like, what if I, and I'm of course playing guitar. I was like, what if I started leading a, a short hike into Chautauqua Meadow here in Boulder and inviting families and I'll just, we'll hike to a beautiful place and do, you know, 20 minutes of classic children's tunes. Um, and that program was the, it began in the summer of 2005. This will be the 18th season of that coming up. Meadow Music is still rocking in Boulder. Um, it has changed from, you know, a handful of families, 10 to 15 people in the first season to more like six to 700 people. Um, free program out in Chautauqua Meadow, sponsored still by the Open Space and Mountain Parks Department. Um, can I say one more thing? Yeah, I know you want yeah, to jump you're, in you're, so you're badly. Going, you're going deep on these details, but this I like good. it. Just, this is the, did we mention story. we're married? This is the story. <laughs> I like the details too. We're so married. Like, you couldn't imagine how married we are. <laughs> Everything. So, is. anyway. Wait. All right. Um, okay. It was a very, becoming Jeff and Paige was not on the radar. It was very much about sharing love of science and nature through just being in a beautiful place. But after that first season or midway through it, I was like, I'm singing classic children's music, you know, B-I-N-G-O or Row, Row Your Boat or songs about African mammals. And it just doesn't connect to sitting in the front range of Colorado. So I started writing songs about the plants and animals and ecology of the area where we were sitting and started trying to present them to those families. And for the most part, the performances bombed, but it was a free program, so people clapped anyway. <laughs> uh, so, I'll pause. So one of the th the ways that we've like gotten where we are now that Jeff's highlighting is partnerships. Um, we would not be here at all if it weren't for the initial partnering organization, Open Space and Mountain Parks, who remains one of our most wonderful partners in this community. And um, through their support of having the structure in place for us to start offering these programs and transform them into what has now become Jeff and Page programs, um, the, we've been able to offer those programs for free to the public. Now, very important thing here for any other artists watching, we get paid. I've had a few different people who've reached out and, and asked us like how the, how that works. And it's been wonderful to offer free programs to the public, but we, we get paid for that by the sponsoring organization. Just mm -hmm. a little aside, cause it's been coming up recently. It was do you think artists deserve to be paid? Do, do <laughs> artists deserve? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, at, to go back to like our, our story and how mm -hmm. we became Jeff and Paige, um, I moved to Boulder shortly after Jeff and I actually had, had already lived here. So I was kind of returning here, um, after a hiatus and we started working together. Um, we took that passion that we had found for education in, in the natural world. And we had a lot of deep, real, intense conversations as educators about how can we do this? How can we be different? How can we not inspire apathy and how do we find age appropriate ways to talk to children from as young as you know infants and, and toddlers all the way up to fifth grade about the natural world and the problems that we face but start with joy and start with connection 
And that has been through music and movement and theater and live performances. And at this point, we offer a variety of programs from in-school programs all the way up to fifth grade to sometimes even working with um, older kids doing songwriting workshops and talking more about our path and how we um, did this kind of what we're talking about right now. And then um, additionally, smaller classes and workshops and things through the Jeff and Page Nature Explorers membership. Mm -hmm. And of course, public events, libraries, museums, nature centers, open meadows, um, festivals, we are, this is our full-time work and we live in Boulder, Colorado. So we are, we're rocking it. Our business is rocking. Yeah. I'm rocking with you. Sco buffs. I love it here. And I hope we start with joy, continue with joy and just never, ever, never give the joy up. Um, before, before we leave the, the kind of background story, I'm really, I'd love to hear how each of you became so infatuated with the natural world, like back, back, back before the meeting. That's good. I knew Paige was, and I wanted to date her. So I just kind of, <laughs> that's definitely not true. Go ahead. I, I can, or do you want me to go first? Either way. I have my answer on the tip of my go. Um, So I think I, I had to write an essay in graduate school, actually, about who my first nature mentor was. And um, I realized that it was my grandmother. So I wrote this essay that brought up all these beautiful memories that I had of my my grandmother and being with her at um, her lake place she had, and we still, our family still has my grandmother's past, um, a cottage on Lake Ontario and just being with her in the garden and having wonder and exploration in the nearby woods and being really small. And that was my first experience of nature and loving nature and interacting with it and not from such a scientific place, but just of wonder. And then I, I kind of feel like, and I think this happens to a lot of children, and it's part of why we do this work, I think that that's easy to just drop that and that gets cut and you just, you go to school and you're inside and you're under fluorescent lights all day and you watch cartoons and you do your homework and you go to bed and like rinse and repeat. Um, and that was definitely my experience. My family wasn't like super into nature. I mean, definitely like, more of the like we're driving over a mountain pass hey kids look out the window isn't it pretty let's keep going but not get out touch the rock feel the cold go camping so for me when we um and again we're separate humans that don't know each other at this point in our lives but i started our experiential graduate program where i made a commitment to live outdoors for these three semesters i was terrified like I had never done anything like that before. And I was like, when I say terrified, I mean like on the level of like panic attacks happening about like, how am I going to do this? Like overpacking, overthinking all my gear, just like- But you're I choosing to do for something that I'm you want to do. To do yes, I'm choosing to do it, but paying I'm, wanting, tuition to do I'm, paying, it. I'm paying a lot of money to do it actually. <laughs> um, and then- I, you know, I, I jumped off that cliff and I, it was a transformational experience. I mean, and that's also what, what's hooked me into wanting to offer this to other people and from, you know, from babies to adults, uh, is that it was just like, oh my gosh, I have been completely shut down to the natural world and all that it has to offer and all that it has to offer 
as a mirror into my soul, if you will, of being a part of this beautiful planet. And how can I, I've been out here trying to teach kids about climate change or these problems without recognizing this big connection I have. So that's, that's my answer. Mm. Uh, for me, it was, uh, there, there's a book, um, some listeners may have read called a walk in the woods. It's, um, Bill Bryson. He is completely unprepared, but he's a writer and he wants to see what it's like to hike the Appalachian trail. And he and his mm. bumbling buddy go out and just do it. And I read that at a very influential time in my life. I think I had, was just nearing the end of my first year of college, 19 years old, didn't have a plan for the summer and had two friends in a similar situation. And we were like, let's do that. And we very much followed the, the bumbling aspect of the <laughs> book. We didn't do the entire AT, which for those who don't know, you know, goes all the way from Maine to Georgia or vice Pretty versa. Long. <laughs> yeah, it's long. It, it's a it's a five to six month thing. Um, we did the entire section of Maine. Um, it was extremely challenging physically and mentally. Um, it really, really affected me in ways that I still don't quite understand just being cut off from all the things that you grow up with a, a comfortable bed, climate control, um, electronics. Uh, even just the ability to communicate with other people, just being in the woods. So we were there for one month um, and it was enough for me to want to repeat the experience the following summer. So I went to the other, other side of the country and did a trail called the John Muir Trail through the Sierras in Northern California. And that is really when that was, it was still challenging, but it was, I, it was breathtaking. I'd never seen above tree line, the high Alpine environment. I'd never been to the West before and hiking through those mountains has, it still changes me today. I can feel like this rippling tingle go through my body as I think about that trip and living outdoors for a full month. And can I make like an, another, maybe I'm like hammering the nail on the head too many times, but just to make that connection between we really we're doing our kids and ourselves a disservice if we try to jump into all these environmental issues and from the smallest things to the like plastic bottles to the largest you know lens of that of climate change without making those nature connections and without mm -hmm. us under remembering and understanding why like why why do we care exactly and it's it's bigger than just like a fish might die um it's it's deep these the deep tingling the tingle is like oh connection. this isn't something apart from me i am here i am in this and yeah. it is it this is, is exceptional and beautiful and how do i and then coming out of that and going back to you know being a junior at michigan state doing you know science classes trying to remain competitive for medical school was just so then, then it, it kind of turned into more of, um, yeah, how do I take that and not feel disassociated from nature and feel upset at my mm. existence on this awesome planet? Part of it too, right? And that 
that. Um, I'm totally gonna interrupt you. Grab your guitar. Let's play. Can can we play you a little song? Uh, we got we got plenty of time. Let's let's hit it. I want you to play a little bit of Grandma Gatewood. Yeah. All right. So this, I just realized, like, sometimes we do these interviews and we talk all the time about how we sing music and then we forget to, like, actually show what we do. This is awesome. <laughs> this is such a treat. This is such a treat for me. I'm talking about science all the time. Like, let's let's sing some songs. So, Toss a log on the campfire, Ethan. So this song it. is called Grandma Gatewood. And what album is it on, Jeff? It is on our album, Mighty Wolf. We do have six albums and a seventh one coming out sometime next year. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this song is about Grandma Gatewood, and what's her full name? I'm Emma crazy. Rowena Gatewood, the first woman to hike the entirety of the Appalachian Trail. But she did not just hike it one time, she hiked it three times. And the first time she hiked it, Ethan, she was 67 years old. We'll give you a verse one and Seven. chorus one of Grandma Gatewood. Okay. of 67 in 1955 this mother of 11 kids somehow got the drive to hike the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine 2,000 rugged miles of terrain With a pair of cat sneakers laced up good and tight and an army blanket, not some mummy sleeping bag at night. A homemade backpack and a shower curtain for a tent. The pioneer of the ultralight movement was Grandma Gatewood. Grandma Gatewood. What gave you the notion? Set your feet in motion, did the spirit of the wild set you free? You sure put the grand in grandma to me. Let's end on a seventh chord. Thanks, Ethan. <laughs> no, no, thank you. What, what I want to say is I just get, and I wanted to relate this back to the idea of nature as well, because what really is this connection, this tingling that you're talking about, the feeling I get when I listen to you play your music, it just reminds me of the word like love. And I talk about self-giving love and enlightened self-interest. And what is that? I really think when people are in love, they create more people. When you're in nature, nature is constantly in motion and creating more and more beautiful things. And that's kind of what it's like, what's the meaning of life? I always say it's about love. And like, what is love? It's about giving back more than you take. It's about creating something new. Um, those are that's my response to your also you guys kill it on the backstory like I bring people on who are like representatives of corporations and I tell them to tell me about themselves and they give me like a two minute quick thing and I love how you guys are the business so I love how we just went into like 20 minutes of backstory yeah, people I, don't realize like I'm always like oh no how much do you want to know we love <laughs> Jeff and Paige <laughs> yeah Ethan, no. thanks for that response that was really beautiful yeah. and I um I think you get it that's awesome. Yeah. I, I try my best to get it. That's kind of like the whole beginning of the podcast. Like, who are these people? Why are they doing this thing? So now, yeah, now we'll, we'll kind of dive into the more of like the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, I'm, 
I am wondering how you communicate these really scientifically complex and anxiety-driven issues to people who are very young and who will be the, the kind of the future leaders who are dealing with not only the repercussions of the decisions that we make today, but kind of um, forging their own path and creating this new world. So when it comes to, of course, we think of climate change, I'm really personally concerned, and I'm sure you guys are as well, about biodiversity loss, which I don't think is brought up enough in the public sphere. So how do you go about like communicating this stuff in a, in a joyful and loving way when it's so serious and anxiety prone? That's a great question. Um, I think biodiversity isn't something we've addressed specifically do we have a song that talks about biodiversity you think about that while i while i answer um but i think well i think we do address biodiversity just in that we create interest in creatures um so we have a new song on our album coming out that's about invertebrates and i'm terrible at remembering numbers especially on the spot so you just correct me but 98 97 thank you 97 percent of life on earth is invertebrates and um, they are literally like the backbone of everything that we we do. And I without having one, they don't have. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> a backbone. Good job, Ethan. I I'm totally missed that. <laughs> right. um, so we start with the curiosity and the interest, and you know, it's it doesn't always. It's not. It's not like we're. It's not fast, right? This process of educating a child, but we can't tell a three-year-old or frankly, even a seven-year-old to go deal with climate change, but we can get them interested in those species and start to teach them care and love. And so it's why I love, I love that you said love, because it's really teaching that love and taking the tinglys and bringing it into a theater or a library or a classroom or through our Jeff and Paige Science and Nature show live at home, right into people's living rooms. Um, so that's one piece of that answer. And then the second piece is that we are still and in a new way exploring how to get a little more real about the issues that we're facing. But a lot of that education, it's not targeted at the kids, it's targeted at the parents. So I'm um, in the next few months going to start a workshop series for parents called How to Talk with Our Kids About Climate Change. And in, in so doing, I'm going to actually be educating parents about climate change um, and how to start to create a cycle of hope rather than a cycle of apathy. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's where we get stuck, right? We go back to the beginning of our origin story of I'm, I'm 26 years old and I'm just like so depressed I can barely get off my couch because I've steeped myself in environmental issues and and that's happening for our children earlier and earlier mm -hmm. you know that's that's where especially after the pandemic and everything everybody's been through that's where our some of our sixth and seventh graders are right now mm -hmm. do you want to add anything um briefly in answer how do we communicate that I'll, i i will say we use um characters oh, and yeah, we use awesome. solutions um so an example like instead of highlighting habitat loss um we will have our page will be playing the monarch butterfly and in the breakdown of that song 
She uh, mentioned that it's hard to do, you know, a migration from one part of the world to the I other. I need a rest stop, baby. baby it's, it's a, a long, long way, way back. back. I need to take a little break and eat a milkweed snack. But it's it, it, difficult to find relaxing spots with all these buildings and these roads and these parking lots. But migration doesn't need to be oh so hard. Grow a butterfly garden in your backyard. Yeah. So, and then well, the butterfly will highlight that, you know, that here's one simple thing you can do, but Paige is dressed up as a butterfly doing it. And like, we're embodying these characters. We're at a show where, you know, there's a, there's a, a backbeat behind that. And it's, we're communicating the messages, but we're using theater and we're using music to do it. And we're not highlighting, we're not sticking on that problem of highlighting yeah. that there's buildings and roads and parking lots everywhere, and the butterfly is not able to make its migration. We're highlighting, here's one simple thing you could do, you know, plant these, this particular plant milkweed that a butterfly needs for its migration. Um, that's and that's just one point. example, and we do that throughout, I would say, two-thirds of our songs and skits have something along that line where it touches on an issue, but it highlights the solution. And it's us as a character communicating that instead of just Jeff and Paige standing up here right. and talking to you or singing yeah. right. to you. And it's and that's the part that I actually think works for all ages. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the parents that are there paying attention tell us all the time, I learned so much today. I had no idea about this or that or the other thing. And you, you taught me about that. So the, I think that's also a unique um part of our offering for for our community and and beyond is we're educating and supporting the whole family so we're interacting with the kids and they love us um because we're goofy and we have costumes on and glasses and we're you know open and here and present and then we're also having a higher level interaction with parents um and that's especially recently um something we've again gotten just more and more clear on um, as we face some of the challenges of the pandemic and we've launched the Jeff and Paige Nature Explorers membership and um, we're, we're really trying to create a, a resilient community through the work that we do mm -hmm. so that people feel less alone. Cool. And we also want to give parents a break too with our content well, live or... Yeah, yeah, that's part of it too. I definitely want to talk about the membership opportunity right after this, but I do want to ask a bit about the the creative process that you both have kind of undergone and continue to go. And I love, and then this energy is just flowing through you at all times. You can, you're the kind of people who can just easily break out into song and dance at any time. And I feel like I'm that kind of guy too, but I don't like sing. I, I can go in. I can go into like a rant about what it means to live a meaningful life and how to have purpose. Like that's like, I was a philosophy minor at CU. So like, that's like my thing. I could just, I, I can get really into that kind of stuff and having like a, a vision and that kind of thing. So you're both really obviously have this strong connected to nature and Paige, you've mentioned several times how in the past you've, you've felt really bogged down with strong negative emotions. Is, am I, is it right to say that you've, T turn these powerful emotions and feelings you have into your art or I would kind of love to hear more about like the creative process and where the songs come from and how you use these strong feelings and connections that you have to make things mm. yeah I mean I'll, I'll go and then I'll pass the microphone to you Jeff but I for sure for sure this this whole joy was is is like you know it's the circle again was born from um depression and doomsday like and I, I for for your east coast listeners i had a short stint in boston 
right after all these magical, um, big nature experiences. And um, Boston is a lovely place, but it was a very difficult place for me to be after being, you know, it was a city, just concrete everywhere after being in the forest. And so I went really dark there to the point that I was like, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to kind of make fun of myself right now, but I think this is something that a lot of people experience, but like, you know, I was picking up like, where did, like, what is this? This is plastic and metal. Like this was mined from the earth. Like everything that I touch is just like doom and destruction. And like, I can't even breathe. I'm just killing something. And <laughs> I mean, like it was, it was really Whoa. rough. It was really rough. I remember holding a fork and like, like kind of having an out of body experience of like crying and holding a fork and then being like, wow. I vibe so, with that so hard. Something's, something's got to shift. And so I think hitting those, those low places, you know, they are important as long as we get support and help. And I had the support and help of being in this program and having wonderful friends like Jeff and, and where, I, so where I went, where do you go from there? It's either like, just it's all over we're we're totally doomed we're a cancer on the planet that's all that we can ever be or you get up and do something and so my get up and do something was to, you know one step at a time one foot forward after the other how do i how do i find joy and finding joy has been in the creation of the music and bringing the joy through the music and through the performance to the kids and then to look out into the audience and see those eyes shining back at you and to feel the oneness, if you will, and that love that you're talking about, Ethan, of I'm not alone. There are all these pe other people here with me. We can do something and we have no other choice but to. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The creative process for you uh, I, I just could just briefly say um, I will write the songs. I will very deliberately sometimes, uh, in most cases, choose like, okay, I want a song. We, we need a song on our next album about beavers. I will usually check out books from the children's section of the library to see how other people, what facts they're communicating and how they're putting it across and then take notes and use the notes that I've taken to very slowly start working on how the song will be structured. Um, and it's not, it's not an immediate process. It's usually on, on solo time, which is less and less as a parent for anyone with kids knows, um, but often on short hikes and then presenting it to Paige. And sometimes it's, I mean, she's my wife and my business partner, but I'm still even nervous sometimes to present it to her because I know She's going to put her own spin on it. She's going to change it. She's going to change it. We're going to figure out how we make it both a performance piece for two and how we're going to translate it live to kids. And the messaging. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm very much the one that's like, it, I ask a lot of questions about how how we're telling about something and and what the result of how we tell about that is going to be. Mm -hmm. And and that's it's so nuanced. Like what we do behind the scenes, it's it's hard to. I sometimes wish I could like record one of our meetings just to, for someone to understand how much work goes into every word that we say on stage and how it's said and what perspective we're embodying and is it respectful and all of these pieces. Yeah. 
Well, that's essential. I mean, people always see the polished final product and you're like, man, they make it look so easy. But I think anyone who's put a lot of hard work into something knows that it's never easy. And you know what? I always say this, like if it was easier, if we had all the answers today, like what else are we going to do? You know, we just have nothing <laughs> else to do. So I think it's really valuable to have challenge and continue to try and grow. So why don't, why don't you share with the audience uh, the Jeff and Paige membership options and what you're kind of offering with that. And that, that's pretty new, isn't it? Yes, it is new. Um, so the the membership was something we had in the works in 2019. And then the pandemic hit and the shutdown happened. And um, as I'm sure your listeners and viewers can imagine and maybe have experienced themselves, it were live performance artists. It was devastating to our business. So this sort of seed that we had just starting to like, like plant roots, you know, grow roots became the thing that we were doing. And we took everything online. Um, and now it, that was one iteration. And then last June, June, 2021, um, we launched the, the, the new and what is the current version of our membership. So it is a weekly invitation. Our members receive a weekly invitation to explore science and nature at home or in the classroom, if you're a teacher or a homeschooler. And that invitation comes in um, three different ways, either as a music video with a printable. Um, the other way is that we do one video a month where we are really goofy and silly and we do like a, a science experiment Oh, I wish you could demonstrate the ping pong one we just did. We just did an air pressure one that's really simple mm. um, with a straw and a ping pong ball. But we we take this little hands-on thing and then we explore all the science behind it. Um, and and then, invite other, the kids to do this. And same. then the kids, you how to do it. the kids have received the video. So that's an invitation. And then they the idea is that they do it then at home or in the classroom. And then the third piece of our membership offering is the, let me can, let me get it right. Can you say it right now? Jeff and Paige, live science and nature at home. No? That's not it. <laughs> what is it? The Jeff and Paige science and nature show live, live at, at home. home. <laughs> <laughs> We've been tweaking this so much, Ethan, because this this is the piece that I think is, is the most um, loved by our members so far. Uh, it's a 45-minute live stream show where we're live with the kids and we're doing activities with them and they've gathered their materials at home and we have ours and so we're actually physically doing something together but then we also have the rest of the show is just entertaining songs and music and bits that we do we always um, have a kid interview or a guest star who comes on we recently hosted hop along andrew who is a new york city based children's musician. And um, I think the sky's the limit on this show. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. But, but but back to the membership part of that, so that you get that twice a month. And at the moment, um, it's low cost. It's just $10 a month. And the idea is you are a parent and you want to take nature and science exploration further at home, or you're a teacher and you're looking for ideas or a homeschool and you're using it more even like as your curriculum. And we offer scholarships to anyone who needs it. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And, and I think for, for those folks that are local to in the area where we live, um, we're adding a lot of in-person offerings as well. I'm going to, um, we, I'm taking the lead on it, but um, are launching a series of sustainability workshops for parents and kids starting in June to start to figure out how to live our lives a little differently now that climate change is fully here in this community. Definitely. 
Um, well, I'm pretty excited about it too. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool to hear from you. And um, what people might have realized from listening to this show is that um, I'm not very science minded, but I always love science. So I always like that was always my favorite class, one of my favorite classes, if not my favorite class until we got to honors biology, ninth grade. So like in the age demographic that you guys sing to, I would be like all about it. Um, so now I, tr- I try to keep it as simple as I can while also trying to understand how it works. I'm, I'm, I'm one. one. <laughs> what, what was that? I'm right there with you on that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm wondering how long it took for you to you, you two to go from like getting back together or getting together and forming this idea. It's like, hey, we want to spend our time creating art, educating people about science, engaging with kids from being in like, a, I imagine you both came to Boulder with a job. How long did it take for you to kind of just go full on into this and have it sustain your livestocks? Do you want to answer? Four years. <laughs> I was going to say three. 2008 to 2011. 2007 to 2011. Four for him, three for me. <laughs> and that's just working every weekend, getting your name out there. How did that like work? Yeah, we yeah, did. Not, not, in, not an intentional. It wasn't like we're trying to get this to yeah. the point where we can. Totally. It was more like I was working for the Thorn, Thorn Ecological Institute at the time. Now Thorn Nature Experience going into classrooms with like bins of worms and teaching first graders about decomposition and um, doing, you know, shows on the weekends, like you said, birthday parties. And yeah, we did a lot of birthdays. We did a lot of birthday parties. Just in case anyone's curious, we don't do birthdays anymore. We do get asked occasionally, but we do do birthday videos that are tailored to, to your children. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did a lot of birthdays and a lot of library shows and, and like Ethan back then it would be like, Oh, like, we just made $200. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it was really exciting. Yeah. And, um, you know, we didn't have kids. We had roommates. It was a different like lifestyle. And then slowly the work picked up. Yeah. Right? Got, got enough offers where we both decided to take the leap, um, mm-hmm. in 2011 and make it our, our full-time business. And yes, definitely a lot of changes along the way of making it into a, into a, from a passion into a business and keeping that, that combination and then making mm. it financially viable as well to the point where we could, you know, be parents to. And that's not Boulder. like a finished thing either. No. Like it's no. good. Actually, something you just said, Ethan, made me realize, you know, what else would we do if it was all worked out? What else would I do if I just knew that we could make enough money doing this for the rest of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go hiking. I'd go hiking. Hey, hey, well, two hundred dollars is is a whole lot of worms. You could buy like a lot of worms with that money. Yeah, yeah. So it could it could go a far away. <laughs> there was so much though for us, especially you know, neither of us are are business majors. Like we didn't have any business background, and um, so yeah, I mean, I a lot of what I do at this point with my day to day that's not performing is marketing and strategy. Mm-hmm and how to scale and how to retire someday. (laughs) And we'd really love to send our kids to college. What does that look like? Um, So that's that's the part that sometimes I have doubt about, although mostly not, but like just you were saying, taking a passion into a full-time job, it does have consequences for that passion. And I think where we 
uh, where we always have the magic is performing also our live at home show. And um, we were just recording last weekend. We hired a babysitter and went for a whole day to Denver and recorded um, the first round on our new album. And it was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. this is why we do this. Oh, right. Like it's just juicy and fun and no children bothering us. Ironically. Could you make the title <laughs> of this episode? $200 is a whole lot of worms. $200 is a whole lot of worms. You're saying that I'm thinking, ah, nobody, no real estate marketing. I'm just listening to other people talk about what they do. That's me, right? That's me right now. <laughs> This is your like, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a great question that I think that it could be a really yeah. interesting. Um, I'm wondering what working with children all the time has taught you about how you should live your own lives and what's mm-hmm. most important in life. Oh my, it's, okay, so we've got, this is, this is the time of year, especially coming out of another pandemic winter that I get so excited because it's live event season. Um, and we fall behind a little on some of the business planning and email stuff, but that means we're doing more shows and connecting with more kids. So once I, like, we have a show tomorrow, um, it's going to be a beautiful day. It's, there's going to be a lot of people there. And when I get up on stage, it just brings out this like goofy part of myself that just is willing to be really silly and childlike and i love when that comes out and the kids bring it out and they fuel it and yeah i don't but i think wasn't the question about our own kids no that's no oh oh we can get to that next oh i was i like got lost the thread on the question no working with kids what are you talking about what does working with kids teach you about how you should live your own life i'd make the argument that that energy that's 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 the real you man that's the you you want to be the silly guy Forget goof. about society. Kids don't care about society. They care. They care about what's going on immediately around them. You know, presence for sure. Yeah. Presence is is a huge part of the lesson there, and playfulness and remembering to just be silly for the heck mm-hmm. of it, or for like, for no reason. Just just you. Just let's cr- let's just, like right now, Ethan. Can are you ready for this? I'm, I'm so your, ready. Get out your bobcat claws. Get out your bobcat, bobcat claws. All right. Uh, yes. And then you're sharpening monologue faster. So they're razor sharp for hunting. Show me your teeth for ripping meat because you're a carnivore. And let's hear your snarl. I snorted, but close enough. <laughs> that that comes out. And that's that's something I want to be doing. That's the thumbnail right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that right there is a perfect example of like what... Paige brings and has always brought and why we started working together too, because I'm sitting here with a guitar trying to sing and play Mm -hmm. and she is getting children moving and doing all these kinesthetic bits that allow us to present songs that, you know, maybe 50, maybe a hundred percent of the audience has never heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can make those into performance pieces that appeal to children, even though they might have no idea what we're actually singing about. Which actually I wanted to mention too, um, we we don't uh, dumb it down, you know, as a phrase you hear, but we we just go for it with the science and the this is an invertebrate and this is a beaver and this is a keystone species and 
um, chemosynthesis. That's the word that you use to describe when a snake smells with its tongue. And <laughs> um, that's kind of, now. <laughs> that's intentional. Um, we intentionally are just presenting the science and then using rhyme and movement so that kids are learning that science, even if they say chemosynthesis later and have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. um, we think that there's value in that. And then I've recently got the compliment from two different people that their children who are either in high school or college have been able to tell their peers and or pass their exam um, because they remembered a Jeff and Paige song. So that's, that's awesome pretty full circle mm. amazingness in terms of the educational aspect of what we do. Well, it's not just full, full circle with you. It's it's kind of full circle with the way humanity has traditionally learned things. I mean, we were a culture for thousands of years that passed things down through oral tradition. So there's something to be said about writing a song to remember things. I remember there's like that there was like that Hannah Montana episode where she made a song about all the different bones in people's body. I still remember that from Can you sing it for us? Can you? No, no, I just remember the theme. No, it's not that I can't sing it. It's I actually, I actually don't remember it. I can't even remember a, sing, a single song that she sang. I know like Party in the USA, but that's like post Hannah Montana. Yeah. Put your hands up. They're playing your song. Right, right. Um, so it, it, my hands up, playing my song, butterflies fly away. And then if we ask you guys, we know where the butterflies are flying to and why. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, in regards to your own kids, I, I was just wondering if they ever like get jealous that they always see you like giving all of your attention to all these other kids all the time. Yeah, mm. that's been tricky. It's been it's trickier tricky. than we ever imagined. I think there was this dreamy illusion that, uh, you know, because we performed for a long time as Jeff and Paige with when we did not have kids. And there was definitely on my part, I don't know about on yours, Jeff, an idealization of like, oh, look at the cute kids and like the mommies and daddies and it's so adorable and I'm going to do that someday. <laughs> and, and like, they're so, I don't know, they have tutus on, they're so cute. And then like having our own kids is not cute at all. <laughs> <laughs> How old are they now? Um, so much, but um, that, you know, there was this idea, Oh, I'm just going to have a baby and I'm just going to be wearing the baby and singing and dancing. And, and, you know, I tried that like twice and it was, the worst performance of my life because, <laughs> not because it, it, from the outside it looked bad but because from the inside it felt awful because I often ask people like do you like to bring your kids to work you don't have kids Ethan so you can't answer but yeah. <laughs> um the answer is no uh it's not really a great meshing of I guess I, I'll just speak for myself there may be people who do it well of having our kids at events so mm -hmm. In the end, this is a long-winded way of saying we don't bring them to many of our events. And we're hopeful that as they get older, like our son, his name is Wolf, and he is seven. Like this this might be the summer where he can come to an event and have a role, mm -hmm. like work the merch table. And and I think he might be into it, but it's he's seven. And he when he was two, no, he, he did not enjoy coming to our shows. Yes. He was very upset. Do you remember when, like... If we'd put rainbow socks on oh our signature, my gosh, yeah, here. I and we would put, too. so if I would put the rainbow socks on when I was getting ready, he would, he would stop, he would cry um, because he knew we were leaving and he would stop calling me dad. He would call me Jeff because um, he knew us as when, when these went on, he knew that we were in Jeff and Paige mode. And I think that speaks to like, <laughs> because we were no longer available just 
we weren't a parent. We weren't there. We weren't the parent anymore. And we were in show mode. Yeah. And when they come to a show, even even if they have a sitter, they, they our daughter's two, so it's a little different for her. But they they are respectful during the show, but this before yeah. and after, like they immediately glom on to us, and they. And it's beautiful, but it, it makes it very difficult for us to. I wouldn't call it continue. It's. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a beauty there. It's different. <laughs> yeah, we can't interact, and like, there's the show itself, but then there's the beginning and the end. We're not like we're not backstage in a green room, and we're not finishing the show, and like, you know, retreating to our trailer. We're immediately coming out into the audience, interacting with the kids. Which is something that's different about the way we perform too. We're very. We make ourselves very available. You know, at the end of a show, it's like, come say hi. We are happy to give a hug or a high five. Um, and, you know, it's this beautiful moment of getting to connect with these kids that you know, that love us. And then if our kid's there, that's basically impossible. And that's when right. the jealousy starts. Like, it's like, I can remember Wolf. We haven't brought Alice to as many shows, probably because yeah. of the pandemic. But um, Wolf being like, get off my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Well, you two have been really easy to interview at the same time. I've got to say, because I love that you guys could like bounce off of each other. I think that's great. Do you, um, do either of you have any like final pieces of advice for young folks who are just passionate about building a better world and kind of manifesting what they want to see in life? And I'd also love to get a a closing song after you guys. Yes. That'd be a tough choice. I can, do you want to give any advice to that question? Yes. Um, yes, I want to, two things actually. Um, one, I want to just touch back on a lot of what we said and just to like, to go, like, if you have a similar revelation about how something needs to change, go easy on the people that took you to where you are. Like I, I caused a lot of strife in my own family by you know deciding that the way I was brought up was wrong was wrong exactly um in in my mid-20s and then I'll veer away from that and say on a practical level like if you are passionate say if say environmental issues or sustainability like you don't have to do social justice or or any of these things that are the time, the, the the things of our time. Yeah, you don't have to like make, you don't have to become like a lobbyist or a performance artist who focuses on, like I think you are an amazing example, mm-hmm. Ethan. You're, you're doing realty, but you are, you know, donating that portion of the proceeds back into a cause that's important to you. Or mm. maybe you're a chef and you choose differently about where or how you source your ingredients because of how you feel or, you know, you're, and you cannot be too hard on yourself because you, you cannot find the fork, like going back to the fork metaphor of me, you know, literally with the fork, like you, you're alive, you have an impact on the planet and you'll have to make choices that don't feel like they're a hundred percent within your ethical and moral compass. And that is absolutely part of just mm. being alive. And that's just not how life works. It's not black and white. Yeah. I want to add my piece Pick of Pick up a spoon, I, I think is what you're saying. Or eat with your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't go there, but that was definitely part of it too. It's like, what, what do you do? Do you go all the way back to living alone in the woods? 
Mm-hmm. Actually, that's that kind of connects with my last closing piece of advice. There's if it's this if it's the the you know pendulum swing like the pendulum is like I'm I'm living alone in a cave or a hut and I'm you know I have zero ecological footprint and but I'm alone and I'm in my what what am I doing then is is that a benefit to humanity or is it I'm I'm living in community I'm joyful I'm offering my best gifts to the world I'm dealing with other people on a daily basis and you know that's the pendulum swing. And that was like the fork all the way to where I am now. And on that note, my piece of advice is find a community. Don't do it alone. These, these, these ideas, um, whether they're environmental or socially oriented, oriented or diversity oriented or politically oriented, they can be divisive and isolating. Find a community, find people to talk to, and when you get down in the dumps, call those people and it will shift everything for you. And that's how you and I and all of us together will make it through. No doubt. Jeff and Paige, this has been awesome. I'm inspired by what you do. Um, I really love your energy. Uh, this one made me really excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for taking some time. Excited to see where you continue to go and just impacting people all the time, whether they're children or inspiring parents or other entrepreneurs or performers. I think it's great. And uh, I'd love to get a little, little song to sign off here if, if possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I feel like we should do something from superheroes. That's what I want to. He's yeah. The, he's let's the do, let's do 21st realtor. century energy superheroes. That one or time has come. No, we no. don't need a soft one. Let's do it. Yeah. So this um, album is called 21st Century Energy Superheroes, Songs, Science, and Solutions for a Changing Climate. And it's um, a story in the in the album. You can find it on um, all the places, like including I'm our website, there. but <laughs> Spotify and all that as well. It streams in all the places. Um, and this is a song that's all about solutions. And when we have kids do this song, we say, let me see your dance moves. Can you stand superhero. up? No, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. okay. Although, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. During our shows, she does not allow me to sit down when we're doing the songs. You mean? This, our, this is our, a special our, occasion for the Climate it. Change Realty Podcast. We're chilling. Yeah. We're vibing. Yeah. All right. This one goes out to all the energy superheroes of today. And tomorrow. Ooh, very important to note, too, that it's not about you're a superhero. It's that we are superheroes. So I'm not telling the kids, hey, everything's messed up, so can you go deal with it? I'm like, we, together, as a community, as adults, as children, all right. we're doing it. We're going to do planet. it. One goes out to anyone who's doing a little something in their own lives to save some energy. You might be growing your own garden. Riding a bicycle or carpooling or walking if possible. Taking the bus. Maybe you have solar panels on your house or in your community. Turning out lights when you're done using them. There's so many ways to save energy and here's a whole bunch more. Let me see your dance moves. Yes, you are 21st century energy superheroes. That's all of us. The planet is secure when a superhero like you is zero. Yeah. The sun is 
sun and the wind are your superpowers. To brighten up your layers. And to heat up your showers. Your supermobiles have a basket with flowers. Feel the wind as it blows. We're looking for a couple more 21st century energy superheroes. Let's see those dance moves. Well, our superhero model, the planet is priceless. Our solar power page will report every crisis. Climbing through the subterranean manholes. Equipping all the buildings with solar panels. Wind turbines and, and gray, gray water, water channels. Planting seeds in rows. We're looking for a couple more 21st century energy superheroes. Or do one more verse. early one morning. And our pager was beeping. Beep-bo-bobble, beep-bo-bobble. It was a planetary crisis while the city was sleeping. Too much gasoline from the cars was gooshing. They said bicycles are a simple solution. And now bikes rule the road. We're looking for a couple more 21st century energy super 21st century energy super 21st century energy superhero You got it, Paige. What a legendary podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, one more pitch. Where can people find you? Where can people find everything you're doing? So if you've never heard us before and you want to check out our music, you can go to our website, jeffandpage.org. You can also find us on all major streaming platforms. We happen to have a podcast of our own as well called Ooh. Backstage with Jeff and Paige that streams on all the major streaming services. And if you want to check out our membership, members.jeffandpage.org. Or come find us at a show. Yeah, if you live. Or if you know where we live, you can knock yeah, on our knock door. knock on the door. Actually, that'd be weird. Please don't. Hey, hey, hey. I've only done that a couple, 10,000, 20,000 times. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, cool. Jeff and Paige, thanks so much for the time. And everybody else, we will see you on the next one. Peace out. Take it easy. Bye, Ethan. Be a superhero. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrealty.org today.